With a name like Winter, how could today's guest not be a Winter Olympian? Winter Vinecki is on the Diet Ask podcast today. And today we're talking about how to get out of your comfort zone. It's a great conversation, and I love where she is as we're having it because she's actually in the Olympic Athletes Village in Beijing, which is a weird place. Winter has been on my radar for years because it's something she did actually when she was a kid, and it's something that I thought would actually land Winter in the Summer Olympics. She set two world records, one of them for being the youngest person ever to run a marathon on all seven continents. The second record was for being the first daughter-mother duo to do that since her mom ran with her, and she did all of that before she was 15 years old. So that's why I started tracking her because I love running and I just thought what they were doing was just amazing. But there were some signs early that she was gifted in all kinds of ways athletically. She ran her first 5K when she was only five years old, a 10K at eight, 10 miles at 10. So how do you become an aerial skier, which is what she's in Beijing for, when you're running the globe. Well, that is an awesome backstory. Winter actually started a foundation when she was a kid called Team Winter, and she used it to raise money for prostate cancer after she lost her father when she was only nine years old. She was in New York City accepting an award for the money that she'd raised as a young athlete, and she met a woman named Emily Cook. Now, Emily is an Olympic aerial skier who I covered at the Olympics, and Emily just got a kick out of this kid and invited her to come to Park City and to give it a try, just to see what it was all about. She just could see something in winter. And so winter went that summer, and she loved it. It turned out she loved that sensation of flying, which is why aerial skiers do what they do. She was only 13, she was all in, and apparently she was so good instantly that there was a lot of support to bring her to Park City. So she ended up moving to Park City and actually lived with coaches and a host family so she could go all in and give aerial skiing a try. Her three brothers continued living with their mom in Michigan. So a few years later, here we are, like 10 years later, here we are, she's in the Olympics as an aerial skier, and um, she's on Dying to Ask this week as we start to look at this concept of getting out of your comfort zone because she's kind of like an expert in that. <laughs> so on this Dying to Ask, how marathon running gave Winter skills to be successful in aerial skiing. You wouldn't think that there's a link, but there actually is in a lot of ways. How she made that decision to leave her family at a relatively young age to pursue a relatively new dream. What it's really like to be in the athlete's village right now. And Winter's 21-day challenge hack for us will be some great advice on how to get out of your comfort zone. And it could be as easy as going to the grocery store. Here's Winter Vinecki on this week's Dying to Ask. Olympians, the best of the best. It takes world-class conditioning to reach this level with mental toughness that is just as rare. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick and I have covered the last 11 Olympics. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life. Well, hi Winter, where are you right now? I'm currently in Beijing. Very good. And are you in the Athletes Village then? Yep. We're just in the Athletes Village. We got here several days ago and going to be here for another several weeks. Yeah. Okay. So what is it like? Because we're hearing all these like interesting things about for, you know, Team USA and, and the media getting into China, like what a process it is. How, what is it like being there? 
it's definitely a process. I mean, just getting over here, we're on the other side of the world. So it's a long travel day, but excited to be here. And um, we've all kind of been living in somewhat of a bubble just with the last year and a half and stuff with COVID. And so we're quite used to that here and, but still having fun and, you know, getting to still see some of the other athletes. We go up to the dining hall and things like that. And we haven't started training yet for aerials, but we will be starting in a couple of days and got to go check out the site today, which is really exciting being able to walk up there and see the huge Olympic rings on the hillside. So it's been good. You know, the Athletes Village has always, you know, got this mystique about it now, maybe even a little bit more so. And I was following um, on Instagram stories, Jamie Anderson and some of the snowboarders were showing what it was like going around the dining hall. And that was even very unusual with like plexiglass between the spots where people were sitting. Um, what's like the most surprising thing to you being there? Um, well, I think all of this is just new to me. And I guess some people that have been to Olympics before, they really noticing the differences. But for a lot of us who are going to our first Olympics here, we don't really have anything to compare to, honestly. And so we, I think a lot of us were just keeping an open mind. And now that we're here, you know, it's nice to see that we can still get to go do some things. Like they still have like an athlete resource center for us. We have like, like a lot of little games and stuff that we can use. And they have like VR um, like these like VR machines and stuff and games over at one of the other buildings. And, you know, we still get to go up to the dining hall. Obviously it's very different because we have to sanitize every time we walk into a building and we have masks and there's plexiglass dividers in between all the tables. So in that sense, it is very different, but we're all just trying to keep each other safe and, um, so that we can, you know, compete. It is. It's interesting. You just said something that I hadn't really thought about, but for the newbies there, you don't know anything different. So in, in some ways you guys might have a little bit of an advantage because there's no comparison game to the way things were. For sure. That's what one thing a lot of people have been saying is they're like, oh, I feel so bad for those people who are going to their first Olympics and this is their first one with COVID and everything. But honestly, like we don't know any different. And so we've already been living this way for the last year and a half with all of our other competitions and things like that so it's not that unusual obviously we hear the stories and stuff about what it was like but for us it's kind of it is what it is and um, we're just trying to make the most of it yeah no I mean you got to what else what's the alternative yeah <laughs> you're there exactly. you're there it's time to do what you've trained for you have yep. such you have such an interesting journey to how you became um an Olympian and it's interesting. Your background is something that I follow just as a, somebody who loves running. I mean, I've been following you since you were a kid because you did something that I thought just sounded so amazing running a marathon on all seven continents. Yeah. I started out doing, you know, running in triathlons at just five years old. And after I walked distance and so got into five Ks when I was five did my first 10 mile race when I was 10. And then eventually got into the marathons and was skiing along this whole time. So, you know, I had a lot of these different interests and, and passions growing up. And thankfully I had an amazing mom and, and dad and brothers who supported me and kind of pushed me, even though I was so young and a girl and all this didn't matter. We were just going to go out there and, and have fun and, and do these different things that a lot of people thought wasn't possible at such a young age. And is it true that you only got into aerials because Emily Cook um, who I covered in the Olympics doing aerials met you at an award show was like, you should come out and visit me. Yeah. It's pretty crazy <laughs> thing, but that's how I got involved in the sport. If it wasn't for Emily coming up to me, I would have never found this crew in New York city back in 2011. And I 
was on stage and got the award and everything. And then they had played a little clip of me skiing and running and doing all this different athletics. And Emily Cook came up to me after and was like, Hey, you're pretty, pretty tiny to be a ski racer. Why don't you come try my sport of aerials? So she literally invited me to come stay with her. And here I was having the chance to go train amongst Olympians and stay with, with an Olympian in park city. Like, how could I say no? And so I went and tried it and just fell in love and had so much fun. It's so funny. I've always thought that, you know, with, um, I've covered Olympians now for 20 years and I've always said that like Olympians are, they're really talented and gifted athletically, but they're also really lucky because they found the thing that they were wired to do better than most people. Um, what a random way for you to find out how good you were at something like that, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I, I would have never guessed growing up that I would be doing aerial skiing, found out about this crazy sport. And I had done the skiing side of things, but I actually, I had zero actual like background like a lot of aerial skiers do with gymnastics or trampoline and things like that and so I had to learn that all along the way and um basically from scratch which was which was challenging but at least I knew how to do the skiing side of things sport that we all come from so many different backgrounds and um all figure out our own ways to be able to to make it work let me ask you about um, what what it is that that running gave you. Because you, on the surface, you would think that like these two sports have nothing in common, but there are some common threads in terms of endurance and just the the kind of braveness that you need. In what ways is is running completely not like the sport you do now, and in what ways is it actually a great asset? Well, it is very different from the outside looking in. I mean, running is an endurance sport; it's very very cardiovascular. And it lasts hours on end. Aerial skiing, on the other hand, very skill specific, only lasts a couple seconds. And now we definitely don't do much endurance or cardiovascular training. It's a lot more strength based and building that muscle to be able to withstand the impacts of landing. And so they're very different um, in that respect. But sports in general, you know, you need that mental toughness and that perseverance to be able to keep pushing through those tough days, whether it's a long training run in, in marathons or just a hours and hours long training session for aerials you know even though our sport's only a couple seconds in the air we are training for months and months in a row doing the exact same thing so you have to have a lot of grit and determination to be able to keep going with that especially if you know things aren't going well and you have um, bad days or you have difficult training sessions where maybe there's a, a lot of mental grit and perseverance with that Yeah. Um, We're doing this thing that we call the 21 day challenge. And um, so we were asking Olympians to tell us like maybe what one of their greatest health hacks is. And it seems to me that getting out of the comfort zone, which is tough for a lot of people is actually something you're naturally very good at. That was always huge that our mom encouraged us to do is to try new things and to not be afraid to, to get out of your comfort zone. I have three brothers. So we were always pushing each other and daring each other to do different things. Um, it's a lot easier to do that when you're a kid, (laughs) once you become an adult, it gets a lot harder to do things that you don't know how to do. So what's a good, what would you say to adults who maybe want to try something new to get them to like, just go for it? You don't have to start by these massive things. You can start small, you know, next time you go into a, a grocery store and you see a piece of fruit you've never had before, like, try it, like get out of your comfort zone a little bit, try something new. You know, if, there's something you've always been wanting to do was a little bit afraid to try it even if it was just going up and talking to your idol somewhere you see them like just take those little steps little steps and you never know what can come from it absolutely that's all that's all anything is is you know for me and aerials it's one jump at a time building on those individual jumps and then 
before you know it, you're doing triple twisting, double backflips. What is, um, what is that feeling like when you are doing one of those, when you are doing, you know, what, what you'll be scored on at the Olympics? What is that? How do you describe what that feeling is like? Cause I know that from talking to other aerialists that it's quite addictive because it's so unlike anything else. It is so unique and it's definitely unlike anything else I've ever done and probably ever will do. It's, basically like you're flying through the air but that adrenaline rush combined with that constant quest to perfect your jump is something that's somewhat indescribable I guess uh it's just so much fun and and it's really what keeps all of us coming back to this sport and and continuing to do jumps after jump like we get when you fly through the air and then stick that perfect jump to your feet and what are you looking forward to most at the olympics i'm just kind of taking it all in honestly i've you know worked for 10 years now at getting to this point to finally be here is a little bit surreal. And so for me, I'm just enjoying every moment. Awesome. What's a good way for people to keep up with you while you're there? Will you be doing social media? Yep. I'm on Instagram at, at winter been posting a lot. They can follow on there. Awesome. Well, winter best of luck to you. Thank you so much for the time and enjoy the athletes village. Thank you so much. We got a really great review recently um, from Five Tunces that said, I just love the podcast and I look forward to each new one that comes out. I've been listening for years. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to write a review. No need to apologize. I appreciate that you took some time to do it. The funny thing is that I had to Google how to write a review. A lot of people do. It's not necessarily intuitive. Um, but this person went on to say I was successful and you were my first podcast review. So it went on for a while and I, I'm just really grateful. They were very kind words and it was just really nice to do that. So if you have never left a review, I try to do this at least a couple times a week for shows that I listen to because being on the other side, I actually understand how important it is. If you're on Apple right now, listening on Apple Podcasts, if you look at the episode, look at the, the lower right-hand corner, you'll see three dots. Hit those dots and it'll pop up a whole bunch of choices, everything from sharing the episode via text or an email to a friend. Um, or you can also, uh, as you scroll down on that episode, there is something that actually says write a review. And if you hit that, it's actually pretty intuitive after that. The other thing you can do is you can just hit a bunch of stars. So they have like five stars there. Five is the best. Um, no stars is obviously the worst. And um, those things are important. Why are they important? Because they go into that weird algorithm that pushes a podcast higher and suggests it to people who maybe are new to the show. So basically, it's how podcasts grow. That's how you water them. So I appreciate anybody who takes just a couple of minutes to do it. And again, I try to do it myself. You know, I try to pay it forward at least, I would say probably two or three times a week, I go in and leave a rating or review, or I try to leave something really specific about what I, I took away or why it might be a good one. Anyhow, thank you so much. We're enjoying all these Olympians and their weird journeys as they are at the 2022 Winter Olympics. Lots to learn. I hope you'll take our 21-day challenge as well. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's basically a commitment to do something each day that's for your physical or your mental health. So it could be 15 minutes of getting outside and walking the dog, going for a run, taking a new class, um, maybe taking a yoga class online, a little bit of everything. And if you're working on more of your mental health, maybe it's just giving yourself a break for 15 minutes. Edie and I have been talking about that on the show a lot lately, just that idea of solo focus, doing one thing at a time, maybe just for 15 minutes and just see if it helps give you a little bit of relief and um, just makes you feel a little bit better. That's really what it's all about. You can learn more about the 21 day challenge at kcra.com. Just search it in the uh, toolbar at the top of the page and it'll pull up all the previous stories that I've done on the 21 Day Challenge, you'll hear all kinds of great hacks from Olympians like Shannon Barkey, who's our cheerleader for the 21 Day Challenge, 
And um, we also have an accountability chart. So for you who are old school like me, if you like pen to paper, we have a printable chart. It's so cool. And what you do is you write in each day what you did, and then you can check it off. So you can like actually follow all of the uh, stuff you've been doing and just uh, remind yourself how amazing you are because you are. Thanks for listening to the Dying Desk Podcast, and we'll have another Olympic episode coming up soon.